entertaining talk anywhere. Stay tuned to LA Talk Radio. Your real talk station. 24 hours of commercial free programming. All right, everyone. Welcome to the program. We're doing it live here on LA Talk Radio, and we are very live. We're, uh, I'm actually here broadcasting from South by Southwest here in Austin, Texas. I'm uh, here hanging out at the Austin Convention Center for the South by Southwest Festival. Just here posted up. Uh, been enjoying Austin the past few days, going around, uh, seeing the sights, soaking up the South by Southwest experience. we got a great show for you tonight. We have... Um, Local Austin guy, and uh, yeah, he was in. Um, he lived here for seven years. He was on the TV show Austin Stories on MTV. He's also been on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. He also goes by the name of Dragon Boy Suede. His real name's Howard Kramer. He's going to be on for an interview later on in the program. But uh, yeah, here I am doing it live in uh, city of Austin, South by Southwest. It's a uh, feel like uh, feel like I'm not cool enough for the place. Got to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit of a square here, but, uh, you know, tons of bands, tons of people going around, a lot of drinking. I got in, uh, got in, uh, let's see, I got in, uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah, I got in Wednesday here. And I uh, took, took a cab over to the uh, Marriott Courtyard, where I've been staying, been enjoying myself there. You know, soaking up the free, uh, well, they got free wireless over there, they got uh, free newspapers as a man who likes to enjoy a paper newspaper really 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 got into that been having a good time there's a uh, there's a shuttle that takes you from you know the hotels uh to the different to the like downtown area where everyone's set up i was there last night and i was coming back like two o'clock in the morning and i don't know if she's listening but uh I'm pretty sure this shuttle driver was trying to hook up with me and uh you can just imagine just picture what you think a uh, Shuttle driver would look like and how it'll go and yeah oh uh oh no no don't you don't throw those out that's fine <laughs> so lady uh cleaned it up so uh never mind that but yeah she was a sh- shuttle driver hanging out and uh yeah I get, you know I could tell she was feeling it because when she dropped me off uh at my hotel she was like oh hey what's uh what's going on oh there's the uh pool and the hot tub for the after party and uh never went down. Never went down. Just me and uh, just me in my own room. I kind of wish uh, Logan was here. He's, he's much better at networking than I am. I remember we were at uh, the Wax and Ajax show, and we were trying to go, and Logan, Logan's there, and he's just like, what? Come on, guys. What, a guy, a guy can't schmooze? I'm just trying to schmooze. He's great at handing out business cards. He thought, uh, <laughs> he, thought, he, thought he had met the founder of Facebook. For some reason, he believed this guy who was like, yeah, no, I, I started Facebook. And Logan uh, bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. He's like, no, I, I don't really think he was. He started Facebook. But, uh, yeah, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from the show, guys. Really appreciate that. Here's a uh, little anecdote for you. My buddy from uh, middle school, Andre Shamillo, he contacted me, and he was like, hey, I was listening to your show, and... I think we have a mutual friend. He had, he listened to last week's show, and this is uh, a guy from middle school, all the way back in Pennsylvania. 
contacted me and he was like, hey, uh, that Nick Rutherford, I think I, I'm, uh, I kind of know that guy because his, his girlfriend was, um, his girlfriend's best friend used to date Nick. And he sent me this email message like, hey, I think, uh, you know, my girlfriend's best friend used to date Nick, but I don't know how impressive that is because it sounded like he was dating a lot of chicks at the time. So he contacted me and then I forwarded that along to Nick and, you know, Nick seemed, uh, you know, I guess he's a ladies man, so he's really, uh, <laughs> sure you enjoyed that. But yeah, we're doing this over Skype, so uh, I don't know how the audio quality is, but if you got any problems with it, uh, hit me up on Twitter, or actually you guys can call in, 323-203-0815. Feel free to hit me up anytime. I've been uh, watching a little bit of the college basketball. I saw that Lehigh's keeping it close. Lehigh is a uh, Bethlehem College, of course, playing the number one seed. And they're, let's see, the currently the score is, I don't know, I saw at halftime, I saw a score. Yeah, it's 35-29 at half. They're, they're still in it. They were my uh, lock of the, the week as far as gambling is concerned. I, they, were given, uh, they were getting 26 points, which even by college basketball standards is pretty amazing. So watching some college basketball. Everyone else is, you know, rocking out to the bands and stuff. I've just settled up in a sports bar. Just watch some uh, watch some college basketball. It's kind of weird because I'm, I'm out here by myself. Uh, last night I checked out the Comedy Central um, showcase, and that was that was a good time. I knew a couple of people there and was was actually talking to some people. Other than that, it, it's weird because I'm just you know being here solo. I just walk into bars with my giant laptop bag, just start drinking by myself and try, and try to engage people in conversation. Just I was I was talking to these uh, this guy last night. Or actually, I overheard him talking to Renee from the real world. She was in a bar talking to this guy about why her talk radio career didn't take off. Renee from the real world. And if you remember her, she was in the Seattle cast. She had Lyme disease. She got slapped. <laughs> that was the slap heard around the world. That was that was back in the day when you know that kind of stuff mattered, but the real world mattered. But she was there talking to an agent about why her talk radio career didn't take off. And then I heard that and I was like, oh, yeah, talk radio. Oh, funny you should ask that. I run a talk radio show myself. And I gave the guy my card and, you know, hyped myself up, doing the best I can as far as uh, trying to network out here, doing a little bit of schmoozing. But, yeah, you know, just trying to give out. I got, you know, 500 business cards and just trying to get out there. As far as Austin, though, it's a, it's a cool town. It's, um, you know, more of an independent uh, liberal town in general Texas vibe. I was at a bar the other day. I went to see what bars I went to. I went to the uh, the one where they dance with the tables, Coyote Ugly. That was a great time. And I was there and I saw the uh, there's a guy in a cowboy hat, you know, just rocking it so hard to uh, Jay Z's 99 Problems. He was really enjoying himself. He had head bobbing and everything. You know, then the chicks are dancing on the table, uh, you know, doing whatever they can to encourage other ladies to dance on the table. <laughs> it's funny how some guys, you know, this for them, this is their strip club. They, the chicks dancing on the bar. And, you know, anytime you go to a strip club or anything like that, there's always, like, the old guy regular who's friends with all the waitresses. You know, he walks in, he's like, hey, Cindy. He's like this 60-year-old guy trying to hit on this chick. And, uh, well, I don't know. He wasn't trying to. He, he was. I, uh, so yeah, I got that. 
Gotta say a lot of a lot of tight jeans. A lot of tight jeans going on here. Out in Austin. I <coughs> sorry if this is uh, cutting in and out, but doing my best here, holding the fort down. Waiting for uh for Dragon Boy Suede to show up. He's gonna be coming in. I just saw him over there was a uh, theater set up for the Central podcast and or Comedy Central kind of stuff. He was over there. Justin did a live team of his podcast, I Love Movies. He had some uh, guests on there, Scott Ackerman, Tig Nataro. It's a good time. I actually got a free ticket to there. I just randomly talked to a guy and was like, hey, uh, I was talking to the guy there. Hey, I got an extra ticket. I was like, awesome. Trying to save my money for Vegas. That's where I'm going after this. I'm doing two days here in Austin, hanging out, promoting the show, doing whatever I can, get the nose to the grindstone. And then I'm going to be going to be flying to Vegas tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, hopefully winning a ton of cash. Uh, last experience in Vegas probably wasn't the best. I was last, well, actually, I did a show there a couple weeks ago, but last experience there, uh, hanging out and gambling, didn't go the, didn't go the best. I was, I was there for, uh, for football, watching NFL, gambling on football, and then uh, one thing led to another. I got insanely drunk on Sunday. Ended up uh, flying back on Southwest the entire entire flight home, just ralphing in the air sickness bag, which obviously that's not why they designed the air sickness bag, but the, the good people at Southwest, you know, they didn't they didn't miss a beat. They just gave me the bag, and they didn't shame me. They just, you know, felt like maybe they've seen it before, maybe they hadn't. And I remember after I got off the plane, I just, I tried to walk home from the Burbank airport to my house, which is maybe a mile and a half, and somehow got lost. I was one point climbing over a fence, I cut my leg somehow. And then I get home and of course forgot the keys. Locked out of the locked out of the house. Uh well it looks like we got a call here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and take this. Hopefully that's not why they designed the air sickness bag. Uh, caller you're on the air. Yeah, they didn't they didn't miss speech. Yeah, was this hello? uh Hello, you're on the air. Is that Sean Green? Yes, this is it's Marcus, Marcus from Hungover Radio. Marcus, how's it going, man? Thanks for calling in. That's good. It's good, man. I just thought I'd check out your show. You're in, um, you're in Austin, right? Yeah, I'm out in uh, Austin here for the South by Southwest uh, Festival. I'm, I'm uh, just, you know, running the show here live from the uh, convention center. Thanks for calling you, in, man. How, how, are you, how are you running it live? You've got a little mic going into your into your laptop. You got it, man. I just got the mic going into the laptop, and I'm uh, Skyping this over back to the home base at LA Talk Radio, and that's uh, broadcasting out. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Well done. What are the birds like out there? Oh, man, there's there's plenty of... Uh, I'm assuming that's British for chicks, right, birds? Yeah, I heard you talking about chicks and skinny jeans, and I thought, well, I need to get to the bottom <laughs> of this. No, no, actually, it's... Uh, a lot of guys wearing tight jeans. I, I should have clarified that. It's kind of the it's kind of the hipster look. I don't know I don't know how great that is, but um, yeah, no, there's a there's a ton of uh, good looking chicks. You know, like indie looking chicks got a lot of tats, stuff like that. That right. seems to be the popular look here. Now, I've always wanted to go out to South by Southwest, but I've never really sort of figured out what it's actually about. I know it's film. I know it's music. I know there's sort of like a new media. Um, sort of bent to the whole thing as well, but you know, is it just a, a just tons of people out there networking, or are you going to see movies? What are you doing? Yeah, well, they have a they pretty much have a little bit of everything really now. It seems uh, this is my first year being out here, but they have music, they have the uh, interactive section, they have film, 
And yeah, I mean, it's there's tons of live music going on. Um, you know, not only in the venues they have set up, but just every bar you walk to, there's there's uh, people, you know, bands playing from sunup to yep. sundown. Then there's a lot of people even playing in the streets and stuff like that. Guys just posting up wherever, you know, putting a yeah. putting a guitar case out. And then yeah, there's I I haven't even really gotten involved in. I guess the film stuff kind of wrapped up before I got here. But yeah, there's I guess there's tons of screenings going on. Yeah. Literally just a blizzard of flyers everywhere and, and promotional material. They're giving out tons of free beers or you know like mm-hmm. new, whatever new products are and stuff. It's, uh, it's in pretty it? exciting. What's, What's in it for the likes of me and you who are, who are radio show hosts? I don't know. <laughs> That's what no, I'm trying to figure out. If you know, if there's something in it for me, then I'll jump on a plane and come out there. But I'm so busy producing the show right now. Um, I, I, next year I've got to go. I've been promising myself every year to go. If not, if if only just to, just to, to go and just get completely trashed every day and then yeah. not face down in the gutter. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy if you enjoy drinking, this seems to be the town. They have a section here, Sixth Street, that's just closed off, and it's you know wall to wall bars, and you can just you know roam around and get as uh, liquored up as you want, and you know try to meet people. I mean, it's it just seems to be more of a uh, yeah kind of yeah. just a big party, and yeah, everyone's. Yeah. Everyone's trying to promote their brand or whatever whatever band they got going or new media thing that they. Is, is everybody shoving business cards and flyers in everybody else's faces? Yeah, pretty much. That's the uh, that's the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to Austin last year and I, I hung out on Sixth Street and went to the barbecue place. I think it was called Stubbs or something. Oh yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great place. It was a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be though. And I saw, I've walked up and down Sixth Street and thought, well, that's it. I mean, oh, it's it's a tiny little place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a huge town. It's a it's got that small town feel, but uh, you know, still still parties like a big city. They're well, very uh, Birkenstocky, right? Yeah. Yep. Very granola. Granola town. No, nothing wrong with that, though. No, nothing wrong with that. I love a bit of crunchiness in my diet. <laughs> well, all right, man. Uh, I gotta I gotta let you go. I got uh, I got my guest showed up here, so I'm gonna get in it with him. But uh, thanks again. Okay, sure. Uh, well, good luck with the show. Keep keep rocking it out, man. And I look forward to seeing you again soon, mate. All right, yeah, and people, uh, if you didn't hear that, um, that was the host of Hungover Radio. Hello? Oh, okay. Oh, all right, we just got cut off there for a second. But I'd like to welcome into the studio. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right. Thanks for coming on, Howard. Yes. Who am I? <laughs> What's up? Who am I? Oh, we got Howard Kramer in studio, a.k.a. Dragon Boy Suede. was uh, kind enough to come join me on the program. Yeah. I say in studio, but basically it's just me on a, on a card table here at the convention center set up. Uh, I got the laptop there and a couple mics, but thanks for coming on, man. Sure, man. They should get that there is a sense of excitement in the air. I mean, even for myself, I just like raced downtown. To downtown Austin in a cab, jumped out of the cab, walked into the convention center, boom, radio right. show going on. It's happening. Yeah. New media is everywhere. Just stuffs. There's a buzz. There's a buzz going around. There's they're buzz. seeing. They're seeing green room. Oh, he's got a T-shirt. He's got a pile of business cards. This guy's going somewhere. Yeah, I'm really. So. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, what a great segue. This is where you got your start in comedy, right? You came Absolutely. out here to Austin. Yeah. I I was talking to you at the bar last night when we were hanging out, and. Uh, you were saying, all right, so you're originally from New Jersey, right? Right. Central okay, what, uh, where'd you grow up in New Jersey? There's this town called Matawan, central New Jersey. It's basically uh, Bon Jovi, 
stronghold. <laughs> it's right next door. To Isn't that the entire New Jersey? I feel like I feel like he's pretty well entrenched in New Jersey. Yeah, he's got a following there. But this is just the dead, you know, red hot hot center. bed. Yeah. This is okay, it. so you grew up in New Jersey. Now, what yeah. was like? What was life like for a young Howard Kramer growing up in New Jersey? I I was it. Wasn't the greatest. Yeah. It's Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think? Kind of anything happened in your childhood that kind of brought you to performing and brought you into doing characters? Oh yeah, I have a twin sister, and. uh you know, just that competition of not, like, even having your own birth or your own womb or anything like that. Is kind of... Is that, fr- is that frustrating as, as a twin, obviously? I've never... I mean, I've met twins and stuff like that, but is that a huge uh, competition thing for your parents' attention and stuff like that? Well, I, luckily, I'm not an identical twin. I think that would be tough. You know, especially, like, when you meet the love of your life and then there's another you walking around like she could have just go with that guy at any time. Right, exactly. I think about that stuff. But um, it's not so bad being a fraternal twin. She's a girl. You know, it's it's it's. You, at least stuff. there's the gender separating you guys. Gender separation. My, my theory is that it took extra DNA and genetic material to create me because I'm so great. Right. That she's just <laughs> kind of what was left over. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like the movie Twins. Right, <laughs> you're, the, you're the Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's Danny DeVito. Right. She's the Danny DeVito. Okay. So you're growing up now. Uh, you say you're you're kind of naturally inclined to do some performing stuff because of the competition with the twin. Now you go to college. Is there any inclination then that you're going to be a performer? Where did you first go to school? Oh, I went to NYU for a year. And now was so, that in the theater program or anything? No, like? I was just you know general population. But then I did go see some stand up. Then I was thinking about it. Now, who did you see in New York at that time? Who were you checking out? And it, was that like when the Colonel began? Yeah, that's when it began. I I don't know who those guys were. Like you don't remember? Just, no, I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know if they were like just newcomers. I don't know if they're guys that went on to be big. But then the next year, I started going to school in New Jersey at this place, Mammoth College. Okay, now why why did you end up leaving NYU? Uh, NYU for Mammoth seems. Yeah, seems like a, a little drop-off academically or a yeah. big change. The little link that I left out is that I only lasted a semester. And then oh, okay. All I did was go to punk rock shows and not study. And so then for the second semester, I, I just worked at the VIP uh, in the VIP room at this club, The Limelight, in New York City. Oh, okay. Very so, famous club. Yeah, Mr. T and the Shelf Dancers and all these people. <laughs> Wait, Mr. Leaves. T and the Solid Gold Dancers? He had an, he had an act? Uh, Mr. T? No, no, they were they're just separate things. Do you remember the show Solid Gold? Oh, okay, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the dance show. The, the, these girls would dance to like for the top ten songs of the week. Oh, okay, kind of yeah. like uh, MTV's Grind. Right. I remember that was real popular in Spring Break. I I remember how disappointed I was when I I told my buddy I was like, dude, we should just go down because they were doing they were doing one at Seaside. It was the one mm-hmm. the one year they did uh, you know the Jersey Beach the Jersey House. house. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, we should just go down there and, you know, look at all these chicks. Look at what they're doing. Right. And then my buddy totally shattered my world when he was like, no, they cast people. You can't just go on to the show. I was like, yeah, what? Dude, there's a doorman. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. guy like myself is not going to do well in MTV's grind. Was that was that like, yeah, the grind. It was all like bike when bike shorts were big and flourishing. Right. And stuff. Yep. The first, the second time, maybe. So NYU is now working out. Yes. You fail out the first semester. Right. Now, how does that happen? Because you seem like a smart guy. Was it just uh, total not caring? You uh, just didn't. You didn't click. It was. 
not caring and also the Jersey public school system. It's like you could do absolutely nothing for 12 years and get B pluses and A minuses. And I thought the same thing was going to happen at college. NYU, it didn't work out. Okay, so now you you move over to Monmouth. Move over to Monmouth and then one night. Now you're still doing general studies? Still general studies. Now what's your plan for life at this point? You fail out of NYU, you go to Monmouth. Do you convince yourself, like, okay, this is my second chance at college. I'm really going to try. Or do you just say, hey, whatever, I don't want to get a job. Yeah, yeah, it was basically, I don't want to work horrible. I got to put this up as long as possible. So go to Monmouth. And then in the back of the mind, oh, it was just, I'll be a rock star anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> just you know, the rock star thing will work out. Now, you said you you went to all these bands and stuff like that. Did you, you ever in a band? Yeah, I was in bands all through elementary school, junior high, high school, college a little bit. What instruments did you play? It was entry level punk rock uh, bass player. <laughs> entry level. All right, so yeah, basically, I mean, not even regular guitar isn't that hard for punk rock, but right. bass player. That's really yeah. You're just hitting a couple of root chord notes and just playing really hard. I feel like basically. punk is much more about the attitude, not necessarily the music itself. Yeah, it was a lot of attitude, a mohawk, and you know, just trying to keep up. We're writing original songs that we're going to change the world, and you know. So now I, I was never into punk. Mm-hmm. Now tell me, you're you're in, you're in your dorm room. You're gelling up the, the, the mohawk, mohawk, ready to go out. What's going through your head? What do you think? Like this is a great look. This is, is it or is it just more about the attitude of, people don't want me to have a mohawk, so I'm going to have a mohawk to prove people wrong. Actually, well, this is embarrassing. The mohawk. There was <laughs> it's a great mo- talk radio. There though. was a, a Matthew Modine movie, Vision Quest. With okay. A high school wrestler. And one of his buddies on the wrestling team had a mohawk, and I thought it looked cool. <laughs> and so it was like so not even from the punk rock, you know. So you weren't just, you weren't inspired by other punk rock artists. It was a Matthew Modine film that got you that got you rocking the mohawk. Yeah, and that this, the Madonna song "Crazy for You" was a big <laughs> song from that movie. So, so very. So your your punk rock. career was inspired by uh, Madonna "Crazy for You" and Matthew Modine yeah, and film. Some club actor with a with a mohawk. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're at Monmouth College. Now, is it much of the same at this time in Monmouth, or how hard are you pushing yourself academically at Monmouth? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Was, at this point, it was just time time to just have sex and get drunk and all that stuff. Nice. Yeah. Did that work out for you? Yeah, it did. The Mohawk worked <laughs> out. A couple of Jersey girls noticed, and that now went out can... with a girl for a year. And nice. Yeah. So you had a good you had a good run at Monmouth. Yeah. Now you said you would uh, last night. You said you went to three. There's a guy rolling by on a Segway. Sorry, that was a little distracting. Yeah, a little strange. Indoor convention center. <laughs> Segway racing. Guy in a blazer, followed by a, a dude in a another Segway. Yep. And they're off. And they're rolling off into the distance. Yeah. That was really, you want to talk about new inventions and stuff like that, that really was the biggest disappointment. I still remember when the Segway came out, there was two weeks of like, this is going to redefine transportation. Wow. The whole time you're thinking like, okay, well, at least it has to be some sort of hovercraft, perhaps time traveling, right. something insane. And they right. wheel out the Segway and you could just you just feel the... Uh, the air in the room yeah. deflating. I remember there was a thing on 60 Minutes where they introduced it. And they said some guy was trying to make them legal on the sidewalks of San Francisco. And they was like, is he going to do it? Because if he does, they'll be every Look out. America. Look out. No. And then I don't even know if they made them legal, but then nobody even cared. Yeah, exactly. Just, I was like a scooter. Like, <laughs> I don't oh, think, yeah. Now it's just random security people or right. you, don't see, you don't see the average uh, like, commuter on a Segway. Yeah, like music videos. 
like someone will ride it to be wacky. Yeah, it's a novelty form of transportation. Yeah. All right, so you're at Mammoth, right? Just partying it up again. Partying and then what up. happens? Then what happens is one night we go to this dumb club in a comedy club in New Jersey called Rascal, and we see uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Oh yeah, Gilbert Gottfried. Is that around? That's the one in uh, Jersey Shore, right? No, this one's like North Jersey. There might okay. Be one, yeah, there's one down like Ocean Township, Jersey Shore. I've never been to that one. This one was North Jersey, and we went there and. Gilbert, whatever you think of him, like what everybody knows of him, is whatever. Well, it's but. funny because I feel like you're gonna say this inspirational moment when you change your life, but you don't want it to be by Gilbert Godfrey. But uh, go on. But he, for that time, I'd never seen anybody do kind of what he was doing, and he was angry at the audience that night. So he wound up walking half the crowd, and then those people that stayed were just laughing at the whole thing. And I, that was the first night I went home back to my dorm room and started writing jokes. And you're just like, one day I want to walk at the crowd like Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, but no, I think it. what's what's exciting about that is Gilbert or anyone like that, when they depart from just their routine and they get real real and right. he gets angry at the audience. Yeah. And he's notorious for really pushing the line. Yep. Like at the, um, when was it the, I'm thinking, uh, the Hugh Hefner's Roast. Which is right after, like, two weeks after 9-11, there was this Hugh Hefner roast. And I guess uh, he went up there in New York and just did all these 9-11 oh, jokes. Yeah, 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 I did hear about that. People were just, their minds were boggled by the balls of that. But I think as a, as a performer, you just, you're, you're, you gravitate to something that real and just, wow, he just doesn't, he's up there and he literally doesn't care what people are thinking. Right. And he's just going at it. So or, you, or he like feels that they're not with him, so he just decides to come at him. Right. So it's just kind of a way of dealing with that situation. That is an exciting moment when you're watching someone or even if even doing it on stage where you you realize you're not going to be able to win them back. Right. So it's just almost one of those things like, oh, you're going to reject me. No, no, no. I'm going to reject you. Like it's a power trip. I'm going to show you how bad this can be. Right. And just the weird part about it is that you're sort of contractually obligated to make them happy. Right, it's not just kind of like it, it's a it's a weird relationship because yeah. you're supposed to make them happy and you feel indebted to them and oh man I got to win these people over and I want them to be happy but then you take a a step back and you're like who the who the hell are these people right. why do I give a crap what these people think right but you know I guess it's your job and you're you're doing it so I got we got a situation here <laughs> it's all right we're all right here okay it's okay. <laughs> just well ladies clean up here okay. so. You're at Mammoth. You start. You're inspired by Gilbert Gottfried, and you're like, "All right, now I got to do this. I got to start. I got to get in the comedy game. Start writing jokes." Now, do you start performing in New Jersey? No, I wait another year until I went third school in three years. It was uh, American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York acting school. <laughs> and I so I, after after failing out of two colleges, right? Now, are you are you putting this money up yourself, or your no. parents helping you out? Parents. Were they were they really? Describe to them the conversation you had. Like, all right, I feel that at two colleges. No, I want to go to acting I didn't school. fail out of Mammoth, but my mom was like, it just seems like you want to perform. Why are you going to a regular school? And I was like, you're right. And so then I just found that school and auditioned for it and got in. And So now, you, had you had any real acting experience before that? Well, I did a dumb play at, a, at an army base. <laughs> I played a, like a gay aerobics instructor in this play. <laughs> Wait, what kind of play was this? This is uh, What the Butler Saw by Joe Orton. It's like an English farce. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, they were decided to put it on this <laughs> army face. How'd the, how'd, the army, how'd the army guys react to that? Uh, it wasn't like for the soldiers. It was just for like 
it was just on the base, and it was just mostly like friends and family that came out. Oh, okay. So yeah, thank God I wasn't doing that in front of a bunch of GIs. But so your your parents kind of see that you have it that you're interested in performing. You kind of yeah. have a knack for acting. Right. They send you off to New York. Now you start doing the acting school. Do you take this seriously? Or are you no? Because I'm way more thinking about stand up now. <laughs> now you're already you're already moving past that. Yeah. So I did a few open mic nights. And actually, the first open mic that I did, I didn't have any jokes, and I started doing crowd work. And I did real well with the crowd work. And the guy said, would you come back next week? And that's when I got scared. I was like, there's no way I can repeat this again and be good next week. So then I was like, all right, I'll concentrate on school, finish school, and then go back to stand-up. Okay, so now did you finish acting school? Yeah, two-year school, finished it. And uh, Madeline Kahn spoke at our graduation. And uh, you know that is no. from uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then this other guy, uh, Randolph Mantooth, who was on the show Emergency in the '60s. Randolph Mantooth. Yeah, it was like a show about paramedics in the '60s. Okay, so you graduate acting school. Yeah. Now, now, what do you think? Do you start doing auditions out in New York? Uh, no, s- not really, because I couldn't get any. I just I had no connections, and I wasn't that good at acting, really. So, does just- acting school help you? become a better actor do you think that two-year program did anything for you as far as your skills it helps but it's not any kind of help i needed to be paying big money for i mean i just could have been taking like little acting little classes community college or whatever yeah or just you know some guy you pay him you know 300 bucks and he it sounds it seems goes. like anything like the guitar you know you don't need to go to school to learn how to guitar you can pay a guy 30 bucks an hour and i'm sure you right. can figure out how to how to play exactly all right so you're not you're not getting on any auditions. You just graduated. You're in New York. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> oh, I'm a waiter at PGI Fridays in Rockefeller Center. Really? Yeah, that's it. And then where does it go from there? Oh, then it's just like, oh, my life's horrible. I got to get out of this city. And um, I just get a phone call from a guy who says, "You want to go be a waiter on a mountain in Colorado?" Okay. So yeah, I, I actually uh, I told you this last night, but I grew up in uh, Denver. I lived there as a kid for a while. In my elementary school, they they named the different grades uh, after different resorts, mountain resorts. And I remember fourth grade was Beaver Creek. Went up there all the time with my uh, ski club, and really really had a blast. You know, doing the uh, potato wedge or whatever it is down. Right, the pizza slice. Pizza slice, whatever yeah. whatever food you want to associate with it. So you go up there, you're just like. I feel like a lot of people that are working at ski lodges are just people that, you know. Ski bums. Exactly. Things yeah. weren't going great before, and they were just like, ah, I'll just wait. If you're going to wait tables anywhere, why not great setting, ski all day? Right, and the and the restaurant was on the mountain, so we'd take the ski lift up to work and then work and then ski back down. Sounds like a great time. It was cool. And then what happened there? From, from there, where's, where's your next from step? From there, got caught in a blizzard on the side of the road, and, just, and there was only – uh, it was something like 11 to 1 guys to girls in Beaver Creek, like for locals. It was like 11 guys for every one girl. Wow. So we were caught in this blizzard. I feel like I, I do a tough – I'm not doing great even with 50-50. 11 to 1, I could only imagine. It was bad. All right, so now you're driving – where are you driving that you get caught in this oh, blizzard? We, well, we had to live in Leadville. You're familiar with Leadville? No. Mountain town, old silver mining town. Oh, okay. That's 25 miles up a mountain, 90 mountain road from Beaver Creek because we got there too late in the season to get housing near Beaver Creek. Oh, okay. So, every, so you had to commute to this ski job. Yeah, and one day it was treacherous. And one day there was a big blizzard and we got caught in it. It was just like I turned to my friend and I said, I know people in Austin 
Texas. Let's let's go there. I didn't think he would say yes, but he's like, all right, cool. And we left like a couple days later. So, oh, okay. So you you get stranded in this blizzard. So you're just hanging out in Leadville, Colorado. Right. And you're like, I can't take this. The the weather's too much. Right. I know people in Austin. I'm going to go to Austin. Now, who did you know in Austin? No, just good friends from the acting school. Oh, okay, so guys, yeah. guys that went to acting school with you out in New York, you knew them. They're they're in Austin. And what do you do when you get to Austin? You get back oh, into the comedy. Yeah, yeah, because I've actually been writing jokes in Colorado. The idea of like, okay, I'm out of school now. Back to this. Time to get serious. So we didn't have any furniture in our apartment in Leadville, so I would go in the bathroom and shut the toilet lid and sit Indian style on the bathroom <laughs> floor, and that was my original comedy day. That was it. that was your study. Yeah, that was my study. And now, do you remember any of those jokes from back in the day, or do you remember what you were what you were kind of talking about? What were you? No, I I don't. I can't even remember my jokes now. This is years ago. <laughs> it was just that initial trying to be funny, grasping at straws kind of stuff. Kind of wacky. Yeah, it was wacky. Okay, One so minor. now you, you yeah. get to Austin. Yeah, and I, I didn't know if they had a comedy club here. So on the way down here, I was like, God, I hope they have a comedy club. <laughs> and then I grabbed I just it. love when, when you're young, just planning out your life. You're like, oh, I want to be a stand-up comedian. I'm going to move to a town. I wonder if they have a comedy club. <laughs> I was like, and who comes to Austin to start a stand-up career when you had been in New York? But So, yeah, and then I, I leaped through the local paper and saw they had a, a couple clubs. And so I just started, you know, signing, you know, going down to the open mics. Hitting it hard? Hitting the pavement? Hard, yeah. Listening to Ghetto Boys to get hyped up. Nice. And uh, just doing it. So now when does that – when um – you get uh you get Austin Stories, which is uh, MTV sitcom that you starred in. Right. They had a season of it. Right. When did when did that happen? Did you showcase or something and someone saw you? How did that come about? Uh, that was okay. Basically, what happened was after doing stand up for about three years, I went on tour with another comic to open for. Him. Right as we were leaving town, we heard about this MTV audition. So you're doing stand up for three years in Austin, just hanging out. You hear about this audition, and you're about to go on the road. Right. Thanks for recapping. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it sounds better when you say it. Oh, yeah. Um, so we just committed to do this tour, and I was like, wow, I'm going to miss this MTV audition. So I went on tour with the guy for about a week, and it wasn't going well on the tour. And what, so, kind of, what kind of cities were you hitting up? It was just colleges, but they had no idea I was coming. Because he, he was hired to do these colleges, and he said, I'll just bring you to be my opener. So oh, okay. when I'd show up, they'd look at me like, who's this guy? Hey, we're not giving this guy a hotel room, too. So it was ugly. It, it didn't feel good at all. So I told him, I go, I'm going to go back to Austin and do this MTV audition. And what he was he was he angry? Or yeah, he was a little mad. We're still friends to this day. But who, was was it? who was it? That, that was J.R. Brow. Okay. If you know him. He's a really funny local Austin comic. Uh done a lot of tv shows and stuff cool yeah. so you say all right all right man i'm going back i'm gonna audition for mtv yeah now what was the uh, what was the audition process oh it was just they were in town it was just a general like to see talent so it was just stand up they saw like 40 stand-ups they saw like 50 improv people and uh i just thought i didn't do i went up and did the night and then it didn't it wasn't i didn't have a great set so the next day i went to zilker park and smoked pot and was like playing with an anthill, I remember. And then I was just like, it's hot, I'm going home. When I got home, there was like 10 messages on my answering machine. And it was like, 
some of the other local comics, this three other comics calling me going, Hey, they picked out they picked out four of us to, 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 to do something. We gotta meet at Kirby Lane at, you know, six o'clock for dinner with the MTV people. And I was like So you were totally shocked. You thought shocked. you had totally bombed? Yeah. Or just it went okay. I just thought it wasn't enough that Hollywood's gonna start knocking on it my didn't, door. It didn't blow blow them out of the water. Right. So you get in this meeting. What's it like going from just doing open mics to you're sitting down with MTV and they're talking about, did they come with the idea? Did they bring a concept like, okay, we have this idea or no. did you guys formulate it? Yeah, no, they had no idea. They just basically, it, it felt great to be noticed, but then they basically said, just see what you can come up with and left town. And so then there was four of us. It was Chip Pope, Laura House, and Johnny Hardwick. Johnny Hardwick went on to be one of the main voices on King of the Hill. He's the voice of Dale Dribble on King of the Hill. Oh, okay. So they picked the four of us, and we just started kicking ideas around. And um, they sent contracts in the mail. Nice. And it said basically, you will be a, you will be you know under our guides for what am I trying to say? You'll be on you you'll be under contract exclusive right exclusive rights to you guys for one year for one thousand dollars each for a year. <laughs> that doesn't seem even early nineties. That doesn't seem like a ton of money. It was. It wasn't at all, and the other and two of us. I won't name any names. But so you two, got a development deal for a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, and two of us were like, "Let's try to get two thousand dollars out of them." <laughs> and the other two were like, "No, we don't want to scare them off." Yeah, don't you, don't, off. you don't want to. You don't want to get crazy, right? So we settled for the thousand, and uh, what we did was we had little video cameras of the day, and we shot these little vignettes of ourselves just doing stuff around town, and. We sent them, this took a year, we sent them the tapes, and then they just did nothing with the tapes and passed on them. So, that was it. It was dead, it was done, and then a year and a half later, some empty executives were headed out to retreat in the woods. There was like a corporate retreat where they were going to go and recharge and come up with ideas. <laughs> on the way, Cor- corporate people are hilarious. Yeah, like, it's weird. All right, I realize we don't come up with the ideas, we just pay people to come up with the ideas, but... Let's 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 blow some money on a retreat so we can we can get around and exactly. and just and tell each other how great other people's ideas are. Exactly, it's kind of like this whole festival. Like, yeah, right. There's not a band here you can't see on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. There's A and R guys all over town. Right, we were talking about. You said you had a great line. You're like, no one really needs to be here. No. But somehow it's, it's self-important. You feel like, oh yeah, I'm at South by Southwest. Yeah. I am somebody. Right. It's a was, way to spend money. I think I'm walking around here. There's no one here. Attending, seeing, perform that doesn't think of themselves as like I'm an interesting individual. Right. I got something. I got something exactly. going. Myself included, right. obviously. But yeah, we're the. It's about me. So, two and a half years from the original audition, what happens? What happens? They, on the way to the on the way out the door, on the way out of the MTV offices to go to the corporate retreat, some guy grabs our videotape out of a box, and they go. They watched it. I, don't know, I think they were smoking pot or doing mushrooms. Like, like, I remember that being part of the story. Like we were out in the woods getting fucked up, and so they watched it. And they go, "Well, let's do something with these people." And so we got. Phone so you calls. Had, the entire time you had just been hanging out in Austin, still just grinding away, waiting tables, doing comedy, still. And you, just, oh, you know, hey, whatever, a thousand dead. bucks. Yep. Dead. So. So two and a half years later, they two, call you up. Yeah, they call us up, and right at that time, is at the same time that was happening, Mike Judge was starting up King of the Hill, and he had seen our friend Johnny, so our friend Johnny had to decide, be on this, you know, try to do this 
show in Austin where you'll be on camera or be a writer and a voice for this animated show. And I remember telling him, I was like, "What do? You, why would you want to be a faceless scribe behind the scenes when you can be on camera?" <laughs> yeah, okay. you're, you're having a chance to be on camera. Your your picture's going to be on an MTV show. Right. Do you know how, how many chicks watch MTV? You're going to be getting like, right, I can exactly. just imagine the conversation. That's exactly. And then what, what he was saying. Guy stuff. Oh, it seems like a regular gig. I, I kind of like the he word. Is, yeah, like I don't know, Kramer. I'll think about it. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, fast forward now, but like 13 years later, he's a multimillionaire. Houses in two states. I imagine he's got to be doing good for himself. Yeah, that show's been on the air forever. Yeah, and they called him Johnny Two Checks on that show because he got paid full paycheck for being a writer and full paycheck for being wow, a Wow, ching Yeah. All right, so you do Austin stories. Yeah. Stays on. Yeah. Now describe the, describe the process of getting the show out there. Oh, uh, well, we shot a pilot. They liked the pilot. They greenlit the show. So now this is three and a half years from the, them actually finding us. They greenlit the show. The show went out. It was uh, well received critically. People in the press really liked it. But yeah, it's, seen, it's got that cult classic of it. Yeah, yeah. But um, the uh, it was like uh, MTV had never done a scripted show before. They'd never done a half-hour scripted comedy. So it was like sell for them, and the ratings were not that great. And they knew that because the executive had told us it's going to take a lot of nurturing. The show's not going to be fast out of the gate. So we're you know we'll have to just bring it along. About six weeks into its run, all the executives got fired. There was a total regime oh, change man. at MTV. So once that happened, so the, the they got the nurturing along. guys out and brought in the people that are like, it's only about ratings. Yeah, they brought in the people that this is right in the late 90s when MTV got a lot younger with their uh, focus and it was Britney Spears time and it was just kind of like soft core right. they did have a They did have a different change where yeah. when the grunge scene came out, it was older teenagers and then yeah once pop hit really big boy right. bands exactly. you know in sync yeah that whole thing it definitely skewed down to the tweens or right. you know young so, teens yeah it was like out with the slackers and in with the Austin based sitcom yeah. not gonna not gonna make it no so that went belly up but it was enough for us to get managers and agents and go out to LA and start writing other shows and doing all that stuff so it was a good so it got your foot in the door, even though yeah. it's not, hey, it's a full season of a show. Yep. Not a lot of people can say that, especially on a big network like MTV. Yeah, and it was kind of unique because we got to play ourselves. I mean, it was real bizarre. Like They came to my house and measured it and then rebuilt my house, like the interiors of my house inside the studio. Wow, that's like Wayne's World. Yep. <laughs> we're exactly. in Wayne's basement, but we're not in Wayne's right. basement. Exactly. It was was that kind of surreal when you're acting on a... Yeah, it was real surreal. A house that's supposed to be your house? Yeah, it was a big... So it was shot on location in L.A.? No, no, it was all shot in Austin. Oh, okay, but they yeah. didn't actually use your house? They just built the set? Well, they used the exteriors, but they didn't use the interiors. The interiors they built at the studio on Riverside. So we just drive down the Riverside, and there'd be my, my place would be down Out there. here in Austin? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now, you're saying you were playing yourself, right? Yep. Now, I know you, uh, you're you also very very well known for your, I guess you could call it a character, Dragon Boy Suede. Right. Yep. Now, for people out there, for the people who hadn't heard it, describe what oh, what that character is and how that came about. Oh, that's just like a musical alter ego. I do these uh, songs, rap songs, and most of them are about sex. Yeah. I remember I saw you on Jimmy Kimmel Live doing Nut Ballet. Yeah. You can uh, look that up on YouTube. I saw. Yep. I was just watching it. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was in the early days of the 
whole show when they when they're they were thinking we're gonna like be dangerous with this show and push the boundaries. So we did did this rap song about nuts and stuff. It was, it's it's not as bad as it sounds, but right, it's not super vulgar. It was still on yeah, broadcast it's, it's TV, but conceptual, yeah. So, but it was on there. But between that and then David Cross went up the next week and did a bit about like, getting uh, his feet massaged by like a hairless Asian boy. And between those two bits, the censors at ABC were just like, "That's it, can't do that <laughs> anymore." Uh, yeah, I remember Jimmy Kimmel Live the first uh, few days. They're like, they "All right, drinking. we're going to have the audience drinking." Right. You know, third day of the show, so someone in the audience throws up. Disney's like, "All right, nixing that." God. It is funny. The show started out. They're like, "All right, we're going to have a co-host, a different co-host every week," and he's okay. not going to do a monologue. He's not even going to have a tie. Right. And then slowly, it just became the prototypical Regular. talk show. Yeah. yeah. I had Janine Garofalo's week. Describe. She, she was co-host. Yeah. You a big uh, Janine Garofalo fan? Yeah, she, I know her. She, I, I've always liked her comedy a lot. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. now, now, what are you working on? Oh, so now, uh, pilot, the, the the production company that made The Good Family, I was writing for this show, The Good Family on ABC, Mike Judge Show. Right. Canceled. And then <laughs> Comedy Central picked it up, canceled it. So that's been canceled twice. And uh, But we sold a, produ- we sold a pilot uh, script to the production company that made it. So we're writing that pilot now, hopefully. Now, what's the, what's the pilot about? It's about... Uh, a prison town. My writing partner grew up in a in a prison town in the middle of Texas, and it was basically like his dad was a psychologist at the prison, and in order to save money, he would take my friend and his brothers and sister into the prison to get their haircuts by prisoners <laughs> when they were kids. So it's the story's kind of spun off of that. It's just basically about a prison town and a place where like basically ninety percent of the people that live in town work and live off of the prison so yeah that's that sounds interesting just the idea that the whole town i mean any town that has a huge business inevitably you just start rallying around that business and that's you know that's where everyone's getting jobs all the ancillary businesses are related to that exactly now who's your writing partner oh chip pope okay he was co-star on austin stories we've written like 13 14 pilots for all the different channels together and um He's, he's going to be on Last Comic Standing this year, so look for him on there. Now, did you audition for that, or do you, would uh, that be something you'd be interested I, in? Maybe next year. I'm not ready this year. <laughs> it's a tough thing because, you know, you're basically, like, consenting to be in a reality show, <laughs> and I'm a little bit not a total control freak, but uh, it's a little, I don't know if I want people, you know. It's kind of they just film you and can use whatever they want. And put it in any sort of perspective and frame it however they want. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping this season is great and blows me away, and then maybe next year. Then maybe. sucks you in? Yeah. Now, what's your what's your dream gig? Oh, Rockstar. Rockstar? Still, still holding out for the Rockstar? Yeah, I mean, that's why it's kind of tough to do comedy, like, even at this festival, because it's like, when I was a kid, I was like, I'll be playing at Madison Square Garden. I'll be, like, at Red Rocks, you know? It's some band with some cool new sound, and instead it's just like at the Velveeta Room Club, just complaining about shit. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, in all fairness, you are you're a sort of rock star. You're Dragon Boy Suede guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're up there. You're you're rapping. You're yelling. Rapping, yelling. I'm doing a, another album now. That's not rap. It's all regular. Just straight up stand up. No, it's music, but it's not rap music. Still like funny-ish music, but it's not rap. What kind of what kind of music is it? Beach music. 
So wait, you're you're producing a beach comedy album? Beach, you could say yeah. I'm yeah. On paper, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> so it's like the Beach Boys, but you know, you guys are cracking some jokes in there. Yeah, or you, it's like tinges of Jimmy Buffett. His his good half of the song. <laughs> he does actually have some good ones. We were talking about that as yeah. far as uh, something that you're going to tie yourself to, a theme yeah. for a career. Margaritaville, that's a great idea for it's a career. Brilliant. brilliant. You know, because all you're doing is promoting the idea of vacationing and relaxing. Who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. And in every gig you do, you're just trying to create that atmosphere of like, hey, let's right. let's get loose and, and relax and, and be parrot heads. And getting drunk and it's like, what, you, you, you can't afford to go on vacation this week? Well, just listen to my music. You'll be on vacation in your yeah. So is that what your is that what your model is like a is it is it satire of a Jimmy Buffett or is yeah, it kind earnest? Of not really satire. Like even with the rap music, it wasn't satire. It's just I loved rap music and wanted to make it. It was like you know most comedy rap is just like a, a nerdy white guy acting like he's gangster, and it's that's kind of a played out joke. So it's the same thing with the beach stuff. I really do. Like so, so yeah, I'm it's more it. doing an earnest uh, thing in the genre, but naturally you're going to have some comedy in it. Right, exactly. Right, yeah, I guess I would say that would separate your, your rap stuff in that, you know, it's not just a simple, you know, kick drum or something, and then a guy just like, hey, look, uh, instead of being a thug black guy, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nerdy white guy, right. like you said. I go to the mall, and I, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right, it's all about their suburban life, like. I'm a I'm a Jewish guy whose dad's an accountant. Right. Don't look out. Right. Instead of drive-bys, I you know. Yeah, I mean that there, there's been a new group like that every six months for the last 15 years. Like there's another another, you know. I mean uh, Taylor Swift did one like that. She did a funny rap song. Yeah, with like uh, Akon, somebody like that. <laughs> okay. Oh, and it was just all about like I like to bake cookies and a blah blah blah. It's like there we go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in the early 90s, like, you know, politicians were rapping like, hey, look how well connected I am to the right, people. Right. Right. All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank Jesus, you. What? What's up? No, no. Oh, so I had fun. Time flew by. Yeah. No, it rolled right through. Yeah. Now, if people are listening to this or if they're in Austin, growing up in, or living here in Austin, what's one thing you got to check out while you're in Austin? Oh, the bats. The bats under the bridge. You know oh, about okay. that? No, I didn't know that. Um Austin has the largest North American urban bat population. So, bridge downtown, and you go there during dusk, and all these bats start flying out sort of in a thin line. I don't know if it's single file or not. I don't know how organized <laughs> the bats are. They're, yeah, it's not quite single file. But um, it's a good thing to do. You sit under the bridge, and this crazy stream of millions of bats starts flying over your head. You're going out to hunt for the evening to hunt. Insects right. and stuff. Well, I think that's where I'm going to go. And where can people go if they want to check out your stuff? Oh, shows uh, to Velveeta online or yeah, mean? online. Oh, uh, just go to dragonboysuede.com or dragonboysuede on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, all that stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in the program. We're doing it live here every Thursday, eight o'clock Pacific, LATalkRadio.com. Make sure you tune in next week. I got a uh, big uh, comedy movie star, so I'll announce that uh, later on the week. Wow. So make sure you check that out. And uh, live from Austin, this is Sean Green. Take it easy.